What is going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Chase and Health Podcast. I have with us a special guest today, Matt Spiewak. Welcome to the show, Matt. How's it going today? What's going on? It's going great. How are you guys doing? Doing well, doing well. So I know today we're going to dive into a little bit more of the programming side of things, but first, I think it's important for those listening to know a little bit more about you and your background. Do you mind just kind of giving us a little bit of a history of like, you know, how you got into this personal training space? And I know also before we hit record here, you're not going into like PE teaching and things like that. So give us a little bit of that background. Yeah. So I have a bachelor's degree in kinesiology. And for actually the longest time, I was trying to uh, get all my classes and then go and get my master's in nutrition, become a registered, registered dietitian. And then my senior year of college, I did a, or going to my senior year of college, I did an internship where I was just a strength coach at a high school. And I just fell in love with the training aspect of things. And I realized I wanted to be working in the gym and telling people how to lift rather, rather than like sitting behind a desk and just like giving out meal plans to everyone and just like hoping for the best and hoping they do it. <laughs> and so then it was, it was definitely a tough uh, conversion from a parents to be like, both my parents are from the medical space and my dad, my dad's a doctor. My mom was in cardiac rehab. So they're both like furthering, furthering your education and, and, and doing all that, getting those kind of jobs. And then I had to tell them, Hey, I want to become a personal trainer and, <laughs> and just like bypass extra school. And honestly, I, I, I swear, I did not hear them actually say to someone else that, you know, like my son's going to be a personal trainer until I think like graduation day. And I was like, finally believe it. Finally believe it. But, you know, they bought into it and they realized the passion they had for it. And they're 100% supportive behind it. And, you know, I just, I, I loved it. I love going to the gym and, and being able to work there. That's super cool. And what made you want to make the switch into the physical education realm now? Yeah. So that was just a great opportunity for me. Um, like I said before, it's at my old high school. So, you know, it has, uh, you know, some memories there and a good place in my heart. And, you know, it's, really interesting because the main thing that I wanted to do was give back to the school, give something that I never had. So when I was there, it was a lot of just trial and error. It was kind of just, you know, Hey, I want to get better at sports and lift and all that, but we didn't have a strength coach and our coaches really didn't know what they were doing. So it was kind of just go and go to the weight room and go bench and go try to squat with terrible form and, and go deadlift and not know how to do it. And so then, you know, I, spent some time a few months just actually running uh the teams i ran like the baseball team through strength uh training just giving my own time back so i'm like i just need to teach them a little bit because four weeks or six weeks of um just an organized class is is huge for them and then now i get to go back and i get to actually do that for all the teams now all the varsity teams so i'm really excited about that that's that's super cool i think it's really neat that you're in and not just like like being able to do all those things, it's awesome, but it's also like you now get to have that influence on those kids and things like that. And like, and, and being the one to teach them, like you said, like be that person that you wish you would have had earlier in school. And I think that's something that's really crucial to have. And I, and I love to see that even like nowadays that, you know, weightlifting and weight training is becoming a lot more, you know, bigger in the, um, you know, as they're younger and things like that. Um, I know like in my, my school, like, I don't even know, I think we maybe had a weight room. Like it wasn't much at all. <laughs> and, and like now and, and like uh 10 pound dumbbells. And that was, that was it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And I know, and I um, went to a friend's powerlifting meet a little, uh, a couple months ago and it was at a high school and we were, you know, the warm up room was in their weight training room. They had like, you know, 10 squat racks and benches and everything else. I was just like, dang, this place is nice. <laughs> yeah. A lot of high schoolers are starting. A lot of high schoolers are starting to put a lot more, 
uh, just money and, and funds into like redesigning a weight room and, and just actually making it more of part of the sporting thing. It's like, now it's like, if you do sports, not just doing it for the practice and doing it for the games and the team, it's like, okay, you also are going to learn how to build strength and speed and power like the proper way. And it actually shows, you know, it's not a, some dinky little gym. It's actually, it, it looks like the school cares now. So it's, it is cool to see. Yeah, for sure. Do they have um nutrition and such like that? Or like, will you be doing any nutrition side of things with that? I'm just curious. Yeah. So that was, that was the big thing that I guess, well, like when I was interviewing for the job, they really liked to hear. Cause I was like, the nutrition side is huge because I remember back when I was in high school, I kind of figured out the lifting stuff by myself, obviously after like years of trial and error, I figured out the lifting stuff for a little bit for the you know majority, I'd say 80% of it. Mm-hmm. But like, I wasn't seeing a ton of progress. wasn't seeing a ton, a ton of gains in the gym. My strength wasn't going up like crazy. And then it was like, once I figured out proteins, carbs, fats, calories, just like the basics of basics, like mm-hmm. what is protein? I had no idea what carbohydrates were for the longest time. Um, and so once I figured that out, like I, you know, that's when everything kind of switched and everything snapped into place and I saw, you know, my, everything took off at once. So that's a big thing that I'm going to be pushing is obviously the strength training and learning how to do the lifts correctly, why we're doing the lifts in a certain way, but also being like, okay, we want to fuel the body correctly. We want to, you know, have good recovery from it. You know, a lot of it is coming from nutrition and we know a high school diet, you know, it's. It's not going to be the best. And I'm not expecting all of them to be like, hey, I got to, you know, at at, at uh, lunch, they all have their, they pull out their chicken and rice and they're all eating it up. I don't expect <laughs> that at all. But if we can just make small tweaks here and there, it's like, all right, hey, right before you work out, maybe an hour before, have something to eat. All right. Maybe if you guys want to start putting in a protein shake in your daily, you know, diet, that's great. For the most part, I mean, from what I can tell, 99% of high school students will have either cereal for breakfast or nothing for breakfast so even right there if we can be like hey start having like three or four eggs in the morning you know little changes like that will make a huge difference for them but it's kind of just pushing also that nutrition aspect to them so they can learn a little bit yeah i'm sure i know chris um your your son i mean what grade is your son in he's gonna be a freshman yeah i know when he's at my house he's eating eggs and having toast um but i survived off pizza rolls and pb and j's growing up so, <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I, I mean, I, the only reason I brought that up was I know that's something like you said, you've even been like working on like from the nutrition side of things, just like getting him used to eating like the proper things and just like fueling his body correctly so he can, you know, be able to, you know, you know, not have to struggle with those things as he grows up. Cause I think right there at that age, I mean, I believe even sooner than that, but especially at that age, you know, that's when they're most influenced. As coaches, we know the importance of habits. And so I think it's so important at that, you know, exactly what you're doing. Uh, with your age group that you're going to be teaching, start developing those habits. And it can be the smallest of things. Just, you know, you maybe have control over their breakfast and lunch, or at least can influence them a little bit more. Like that's huge. That could rub off on them and make a life changing habit for them for the future. Yeah, for sure. That's awesome. So Matt, as we kind of like pivot here a little bit more into like the programming side of things, I guess like, let's just kind of start about, you know, I, I think when a lot of people look at going into working out, you know, let's say they're brand new and they're just like really not sure what to do. They're like, you know, somebody says I should be doing hit cardio. Somebody says I should be lifting heavy weights. Somebody says I should be, you know, deadlifting 800 pounds. Like, you know, like everybody's like, has like, when you say working out, I think everyone has something different pop up in their head. So 
when we're looking at somebody who is wanting to, and I think your majority of the people listening to this podcast are wanting to build muscle, gain strength, you know, nothing super fancy. I don't think I have a lot of powerlifters, powerlifters listen to the show and things like that. But for the general population, what do like when we say like working out, what should they be putting a lot of their emphasis into? Are you saying like what what do you think the general population means when they say working out? Yeah, and like like what should they be putting more emphasis into when we say oh, when okay. like go like if you're going to be working out, like what should that what should that mean to them? Yeah, I mean when you say working out, I do like the combination. I like the, at the end of the day, I think working out means heart rate elevating. I guess yep. is like the very basic basic uh term for it cuz you can do like a little the most basic movement ever, go on a little fast walk, heart rate's moving. You can go and lift 10 or 15 pound dumbbells for curls heart rate's going to be going up a little bit so mm-hmm. you know i think that is the basics of what working out is now what i think they should be focusing on more is you know i'm going to be biased on this but i'm going to say weightlifting, and i'm going to be even more biased on this and i'm going to say free weights because i'm a big person in free weights mm-hmm. just for the idea where if you can control your body you know control you know where your center of mass and and realize where it's trying to take you and how you can control that, it's going to be a huge aspect, not only in the lifts itself, not only you getting stronger, but just in your general life, you know, just being strong, getting up from the couch or, you know, maybe, you know, tripping, you know, here and there, you know, it's, it's a crazy difference when you take someone who's never really put a barbell on their back, then all of a sudden you kind of teach them how to just do a regular squat and just their strength goes up like crazy, but then just their overall aspects of life, like, they just will walk around feeling stronger. You know, if you just do cardio or you just do, you know, basics like very lightweight machines, you, you might not get that aspect of walking around and be like, I just feel stronger. I feel better just throughout the day. So that's one of the biggest things I would focus on. What do you think about, I mean, obviously, you know, she's a free weights, but like somebody who is a beginner, you know, at what time and place do like the machines have, you know, and like, even if like, let's say, I know you said like lighter weights on the machines, but what about, can people still, you know, do what they need to with like heavier weight machines? Yeah. I mean, machines are great. I mean, you can throw them in whenever, usually from the basics rule from the basic rule I have is that machines come towards the end of the workout. If fatigue is really killing us and you know, I don't trust someone having a bar in their hand or free weight in their hand doing a certain movement. All right. But at the same time, it's like, Hey, I'm a big believer in the fact of if you can't feel the muscle. You can't build the muscle. So if let's say you're trying to build your chest and you just can't feel it on your bench press on your, your free weight bench press, you can't feel it. No matter how many reps we do, you're like, I just can't do it. You know, and you're starting off. Well, then maybe it's not that bad of an idea to focus a little bit more on a, you know, machine chest press. If that is the only movement where you feel it on. And maybe you start off on that, you develop that mind muscle connection a little bit more. And then down the road, you come back to the regular free weight bench all that stuff. You're like, okay, now I can feel the chest activated. Now I can actually feel it move just for the essence of developing the mind muscle connection. Cause if you can't feel the muscle, you can't build the muscle. I mean, once I realized that and I realized, okay, machines can go wherever they want in the workout list. As long as there is a specific reason for that, then it's okay. You know, following just this one rule of like, they can only go at the uh, end of a workout, which is what I used to do for not only myself, but all my clients. And then I'll start, I started to change it a little bit, change that philosophy. And I just saw a lot of progress, a lot of success. Awesome. 
Can you explain a little bit, just in case someone is not super familiar, and I know you, you kind of explained it, but just to make sure people are understanding the mind-muscle connection, do you mind kind of clarifying exactly what that is for those listening? Yeah, so this is like the relation between your brain and the muscle. So you can tell your muscle to contract, all right, but maybe you don't feel it contract. You know, when you're doing a, I'll make it a little bit easier, when you're doing a bicep curl, for the most part, everyone can feel their bicep curl. I can point to your bicep. Be like, do you feel this muscle work right now? And they say yes. All right. Mm-hmm. So that is a great example of you are having you you have good mind muscle connection there, where you are telling your bicep, hey, you are the main mover in this movement in this exercise. You are the muscle that's doing the job, so you better do it. All right. And so for some people, then, let's say it's you know just someone else, and I ask them to say, hey, like on this bicep curl, are you able to feel the bicep work? And they say, no, I'm moving the weight, but I just can't feel it. Right. Mm -hmm. So that is where there is a disconnect between the brain and the muscle there. And we need if we want to see progress down the road, a lot of progress down the road of both strength and uh, muscle gains. I mean, we have to have that connection there. There has to be, um, you know, that connection. So that's where the machines come in, where it's like switch the exercise around. Right. Or, you know, change up the way that you're hitting the muscle, because for one person, they might be able to feel it on, you know, a regular exercise or like a regular bicep curl but then for another person they feel it only on like a hammer curl where the hand is rotated and then they're curling up so for some people it kind of changes uh based on where they're starting off and and just their general connection with their own body gotcha in terms of like also like when they so like if they're working out and they're doing and I think another common question a lot of people have when they're doing some programming and, or, you know, and obviously like, you know, we were talking a little bit before off hair off air where it's how important it is like be working with somebody who's doing this for you. I mean, I've, I was telling you like, as much as like, I think I could probably do my own programming. Like I just love having a coach who can be like, here, do this and I can go do it. Um, but you know, with that being said, you know, once they're in the gym and they're doing the movements, how, how can they know? Is there any like way you can explain to them of like how hard they should be pushing in the gym? Like, you know, I know we talk, talk about the terms like, you know, going to failure or, you know, RPE, RIR, things like that. Like how hard should they be pushing in the gym? Like, does it matter how, you know, what zone their heart rate's in? Like, I feel like there's all these like talks and things like that. And a lot of confusion out there for a lot of people who are brand new to this. So how hard should somebody be pushing in the gym, in the gym? Excuse me. Yeah. So I'm going to break it into just either like you're a beginner or you're not a beginner. I'm going to just do that. So if you're a beginner, I just want you to go in and just one, develop that movement. All right. Develop your confidence within that movement. All right. If you're doing a shoulder press, all right, I want you to be confident in you lifting weight over your head without it falling back behind you and and you go into the (laughs) ER. It's like, I want you to be confident in that motion. All right. So for beginners, it's just developing the skill of the exercise, developing developing your confidence which does not require a lot of weight. It does not require a lot of load, does not require a lot of intensity. So when you get those movements down, once you get it down, it doesn't take super long. I mean, I consider a beginner like within the first month or two of working out, you know, one or two, three months. Mm -hmm. Once you're not a beginner, then we got to look into obviously the intensity. Now, I used to be a big RPE guy. And then I kind of have strayed away from that because I think even for me, I just lie to myself a lot. That like, if it's supposed to be an RPE of eight, I'll do it. And then I'm like, oh man, that was tough. But what I would find out from my clients is I would start using like reps in reserve because they would, it's a lot easier for me to tell if somebody's squatting. I'm like, this guy easily has four or five reps left. They mm-hmm. do it though. And maybe they only feel like they only have one left in the tank. 
I'm like, dude, like I'm seeing the way the bar is moving. It's going fast. The form is not breaking and it's looking great. Um, you easily have more left in the tank. So I have sort of switched to more of a reps and reserve sort of idea where we want to keep in this, uh, the range of usually it's like one to three reps in reserve is typically where you're going to be at a best intensity for, for sending that stimulus to the muscle to give it a reason to grow. Are there times that we want to go lighter than that? Yes. If we have a warm up set or if we're doing some sort of activation movement, that's a little bit, you know, critiquing stuff, you know, that's down the road. All right. But for the most part, you should be doing things within, you know, saving one, two, three, sometimes four reps in the tank. If you can be within that range, that's a working set. And that is working intense enough to give your body or your muscles, I should say, a reason to actually grow. Okay. Yeah. That's something I definitely use RIR with all of my clients now. And I've, I've, that's all I was used to for a while. And then when I started working with my powerlifting coach, now she's, she all uses, um, uh, RPE, which again, is very objective. I mean, I think both of them are objective, but I feel like you, like you said, it's a lot easier to classify RIR than it is. Which RPE. one do you like better? I want to get your opinion on that. I, I personally like RIR better. I think, um, just because I feel like, again, like our, I feel like it's easier to classify. I could do one, two more reps versus like, oh, is it like a seven or seven and a half, or is it an eight, or is it a nine? Like, I that feel was like always all- so confusing to me when it would be an art. <laughs> I would be given the program, and it says like an RPE of seven and a half, and I'm like, what does that mean? <laughs> like, that is a prime example of like, I don't know how to actually calculate this when I'm actually when I'm doing the movement. I don't know how to do that. Yeah. I mean, it, it kind of goes just, it, it is super subjective. I mean, like there's been times like I've, I'll do a squat and I'm like, all right, that was probably like a seven and a half. And then I'll send it to my coach and she may say, oh yeah, it looks like about a seven, seven and a half. And I'll send it to somebody else. And I'm like, oh, it looks like a nine. <laughs> like it just like everything just is so subjective. And, and a lot of it goes by like, how are you even feeling too? Like, I know, you know, like obviously like you mentioned bar speed and things like that. And that is super important, but even that sometimes like, you know, I'll just use myself for an example. Cause that's what I know about, but like, for example, myself, my bar speed can be really slow, but it's still not that hard sometimes like with some of my movements. And so like, it is very subjective. Like you have to almost combine of like, you know, bar speed, but also how did it feel too? Um, so very subjective. I think just like the biggest thing is, is like, make sure you're pushing yourself to actually like, like close to failure. I feel like a lot of people, that's where a lot of people may go I don't necessarily want to say wrong, but I feel like a lot of people could benefit from getting closer to failure. I feel like people do movements and then they're like, you know, oh, that was really hard. And I'm like, you could have done like, you could have done like 20 more of those. (laughs) It was way too easy. I think the biggest thing I see for when people are working out and they're just not seeing the sort of the strength come along with it is that they're either going, they're, they're doing what you just said. They're either like saving so many reps in the tank or they're purposely failing on each set, no matter what. It's like either one way, 100% one way, 100% the other. And what, yeah, we're trying to say is like, you got it. You got to meet that middle ground. You know, sometimes it's good to go to failure, you know, at times, but for the most part, I'd say like 90 to 95% of the time that you're doing an exercise, saving one to three reps in the tank is going to be the best for you. Yeah, for sure. And, um, you know, I think it's great to also like test of course with safe movements, but I think it is important to sometimes to like feel what actually failure looks like. Um, my, uh, past roommate and the Brevin, who's also on the podcast sometimes he, uh, uses, he's an in-person trainer as well. And sometimes with his clients, he'll have them do a movement and he'll say one more, 
one more, one more, one more, like, and just keep them going until they actually do fail. And, you know, it's like, oh, you did 10 more of these, you know, and we've been working down, you know, in this like eight rep range, you just did 18 of them. Right. Yeah. So I think it is important sometimes to really test and see what are you actually capable of? Cause I think a lot of people undershoot what they are actually capable of. 100%. I was just having a conversation with a client yesterday. It's someone that I've been trying to get the idea of a little bit higher, like to work out a little bit higher of an intensity. Cause I can tell when we work out, I'm like you're stronger than this. And I keep on telling him like, you're stronger than you think you are. I'm telling you this right now. You are stronger than you think you are. And it's just a limiting belief that she has. All right. That's sort of, you know, the confidence is there in her to perform the movement, but her confidence isn't in herself and her strength to like continue to progress. Like as soon as she feels the burn a little bit, she goes like, Oh, that's it. I mean, like I remember she was doing cable rows and she was supposed to go like 12 to 15 reps. Mm -hmm. She was given that like last couple reps face. You know, you guys know what I'm talking about. Like yep. rep five and I'm like, keep going. Like you got this. And then she got <laughs> to like 13 reps. And I'm like, you can, like, you got to understand, you know, how much more you can go. Like you need to understand the level you need to push yourself in the gym. We're not taking you to failure every single time, but hey, we're, we got to come close. We got to give the muscles a reason to grow. If we're not doing that, then they're just going to stay put. They're not going to, not going to bother. Yeah. And, and I think you bring up a good point. And I think that's where I'd like to pivot a little bit to next as well is you talk about, you know, you have to give the muscles a reason to grow. What else should they be looking at in order to help build muscle growth during this time? You know, because obviously I know a lot of clients we've all seen, you know, they come to you and they're like, you know, I've been working out for years and they look the exact same that they did, you know, 10 yeah. years ago and they've been working out for 10 years. So what else is involved with that process? Sometimes it's just like getting caught up in the same things. I think that's a big thing that I've noticed. And I've had a couple of conversations with people. This is just like with friends. We'll just go over like their workouts of what they're doing and then they they'll like send it to me or they're just text it to me. I'm like, this looks pretty good. I was like, what do what do you having the you struggle with? Like this, this should get the job done. Mm -hmm. Right. And I'm like, how long have you been doing this? Like, oh, I've been doing this for like two years now. I'm like, you haven't switched up your workouts in like two years, three years, man. I'm like, first of all, I credit so much to you for having that level of dedication to do the same <laughs> workout. In, every day in and out doing the same thing for two years and then not seeing progress. Cause it's not like they're seeing, I was like, when was the last time you saw your numbers go up? They're like, Oh, they don't go up. Like they stay put, like they don't go up. I'm like, I, I cannot believe that dedication. Cause I think if I saw that and I was doing it, I think I would just quit. Yeah. Right? Cause that's <laughs> such a fun aspect of, of training for me of working out is like going up by five pounds on one exercise, going up mm -hmm. by 10 pounds or like finally getting that, um, breaking that barrier. I think it's such a cool mo moment. It's such a rewarding moment for me that it makes the entire workout a lot better. Um, and so a lot of times it's like, just switch up what you're doing. If you've been doing it for too long, you got to switch it up. You can switch it up a lot of different ways. You don't have to just tear it all apart and build it back up. All you have to do really is you can either change the variation of certain exercises. You can change the sets and reps. So changing the volume, or you can just go ahead and change the tempo of it. So maybe if you're doing like a bench press for like four sets of eight, all right, you could go bench press three sets of five, all right? Or you could do a bench press of a five second negative or a three second pause when you bring that bar down to your chest, all right? Or you could just swap out that barbell, the barbell bench press for a dumbbell bench press or an incline barbell bench press, you know, switching up that variation there. You can change things up without, you know, totally 
tearing down everything that you've built and then like starting from brand new. You just change, tweak things here and there, and you're going to see a, a crazy, a crazy change. Mm-hmm. For sure. Next, I want to kind of pivot a little bit into, and Chris, if you think of any of the scenarios as well, I, I'd love to hear your input as well. Um, but let's kind of talk about some different scenarios we see with like with some of our clients and like how they can get the best programming in that they can when, you know, with different scenarios. For example, like the first time I'd love to start on, like, what about somebody who can only dedicate, you know, two days a week in the gym and that's all the time they have? How can they start making more progress? Yeah. So the biggest thing there is that we have to look at the, I always love to look at the whole relationship between intensity and volume. All right. So as volume goes up, intensity has to go down and vice versa of intensity is up. Volume's got to be low. All right. And we look at ourselves and we say, okay, we're only in the gym two days a week here. It's only two days. So volume's pretty low. Volume is pretty low here. So the intensity has to be pretty high. So for pretty much each and every exercise, you should be aiming for strength, but aiming for like really pushing yourself reach exercise. You got to know it's like, okay, if I'm only working out two days, a, I have a lot of time to recover. So mm-hmm. I can really push myself, maybe feel tired or sore the next day, but it's, it's not like I'm going to the gym the next day and beating, my, beating myself up again. All right. So, you know, being within the lower rep ranges, I tend to do that more. If you are only going two times a week, you know, still staying within that lower volume. Um, but once again, it's like, Focus on more of the compound movements then, all right? The movements that are affecting multiple muscles at the same time, multi-joint movements. Because once again, if it's only two days, we want to get the most out of it. Compound movements, doing stuff like that is going to give, uh, is going to get more bang for your buck pretty much. So that and, I'd focus on that more. And what about somebody who like, let's say they're, you know, somebody that has like six or seven days, they, they can work out pretty much every day, every week. But now, you know, maybe they're like, but I only have 10, 15 minutes. Like, I really don't have much time. Like, maybe they're even working out at home. And let's say they have the equipment at home, but like, they just are like, I have to do a quick workout every day. That's all the time I have. Then how can they make that work? Yeah. Okay. So let's say then we would go, let's, let's take away the 15 minutes for a second. And then let's look at the six or seven days. All right. So there's six or seven days. I would never do full body with someone for six or seven days. That's, it's just tough to do there. People do it before there's a, there's a group fitness class that goes on at my gym. They do it six days a week. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm not, not a huge fan of it, but you know, they like it. So I'm not yep. going to, not going to interrupt, but I wouldn't do full, full body. I'd go more of this, you know, what's called a bro split, which is where you're focused on just like one to two muscles per day. And that's it. So now we go and we bring in that factor. You said that they only have like 15 ish minutes to do it. All you got to do is say, Hey, all right, on Monday, I'm focused on chest Tuesday. It's focusing on back Wednesday. I'm focusing on legs, you know, stuff like that. So all you got to do then is you got to take those muscles to pretty much failure. That's where I would say the failure aspect comes into play where you got to hammer out, you know, that chest, you only have 15 minutes. So you got to get as much as you can. You can't be going super, super heavy doing, you know, heavy singles where you got to take three or four minutes off because you're going to get like three reps in and be like, all right, that was a day. That was it. You know, three reps of chest is not going to, not going to grow your chest. Three bench, three reps of bench, I should say. All right. But there it's like, then I say, it's like, okay, now we can really just push it and go. I don't want to say it, but it's almost like a psycho mode where it's how people will look at you like, how do you do this? Like you're working, you're training this much. 
but it's like it's 15 minutes. I mean, you could be doing five sets of 15, but each re- each set is going to failure and you're dropping the weight each and every time. Or you just stick that bar at like 135, go to failure, and then bring it down to like 115, go to fail, you know, stuff like that. Um, that is where I would see a lot of benefit. I would imagine would be a lot more of a benefit rather than trying to just condense a whole like 45, 60 minute workout into 15 minutes, you know, just take that one muscle group and then just push that thing to failure then. Yeah. I got two questions actually. Um, one, one is going to be, what about clients that are constantly getting bored with their workouts? Like, you know, we have clients that come to us and they're like two weeks after we give them a workout, they're like, I need new workouts. (laughs) Like I'm bored. (laughs) Um, what would you have to say to them? And then also the everyone's favorite question about like females that are wanting to work out, but not get bulky. <laughs> so let's have that discussion. Yeah. Well, that's, I think that's where, if you look at the programming aspect, I mean, like Chase, you can definitely relate to this. I mean, are you doing the same thing for 12 weeks? Um, like the same about- exact workout, the week workout for 12 weeks. Pretty much. I mean, like they're like it, it changes up a little bit, but pretty much, yes. Okay, yeah, but there is some sort of progression there throughout twelve weeks. Oh, for sure, yes, yes. The different, like, yes, yes there's different variables and sort and and uh, in terms of like sets and reps, but the actual movements themselves usually stay roughly around the same. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and, and that's and that's because you're super super dedicated. But even you have some sort of a progression that's going on. It's changing now. For sure. You can look at someone and be like, okay. Maybe after two weeks, they get a little bored. And honestly, you can still change up things after two weeks if you really wanted to. Um, it's not the end of the world, I would say. But mostly when I program, it's in four-week splits, or four-week blocks, I should say. So for four weeks, going pedal to metal, we're doing this stuff. Usually the excitement comes from seeing the the strength increase. Like I said, like you're seeing the five-pound gain. You're seeing the 10 pounds go up. Uh, on the bar each, each and every week that, you know, that is the thing that makes you come back into the gym and keeps you going. Then after the four weeks, all right, that is when, you know, we, we might switch things up then changing the tempos, changing the variation, you know, we're progressing into, um, different movements that will still, uh, send that, uh, that signal to the muscle to grow. So, you know, it allows you to still be consistent with it and still see continuous progress without, uh, getting super, super bored with it. All right. So I always tell people like, if you're seeing the strength goes up, if the strength is going up in the gym, there's no way you're getting bored. Like there's, and there's I think no that's way. where a lot of people, I think it's where a lot of people struggle because they, they aren't really like paying attention to like actually gaining strength. I mean, like there are some, yes, that that's like what they're really excited about. But I, I mean, I've had a couple of clients even that like, you know, they're, they're like mostly like trying to lose weight and they're just like, you know, it's something that they feel like they have to do. Like they don't like working out. So it's just like, oh, like they aren't, they aren't appreciative of the, you know, the gains that they're seeing with inside of their, you know, let's see more weights. And I think that's where a lot of people start to struggle with. So I'm glad you brought that up because I think that's something people could really benefit from is start paying attention to sitting, hitting new PRs, like lifting more reps, more sets, more weight, like whatever you are able to do during that time. But yeah, I think every single, I, I think every it. single, go Go ahead, Matt. I was going to say, I think every single client that I've had that when they, they come in, like what you were saying, and they're like, I don't really care about the strength, like the numbers going, I, I don't care about PRs and all that stuff. It's okay. We don't need a PR every single day, but yeah. like I'll record their weights and you know, they don't do anything about it. I'll, I'll record their weights. And then all of a sudden they start to kind of 
you know, change their mindset about it, you know, because as soon as I tell them, hey, this is 10 pounds up from last week. Hey, nice job. You've never done this much weight before. That's awesome. That's that's so cool to see. It's, you know, they start to walk around with a little bit of swagger. They're like, wow, I'm feeling pretty good about myself. You know, I didn't I didn't really care about, you know, lifting X amount of weight before. But you know what I actually found out I do care about is just building strength and getting stronger because that shows that you're getting better at something. It's an improvement. And who doesn't want to improve at the end of the day? Yeah. Now, sure. Chris, you can go. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was going to say, I'm glad that you touched base. You know, the last question as far as like, you know, knowing how hard our clients need to be pushing ourselves and things like that, because I don't know if like sometimes they get to that point where they're seeing that extra five to 10 pounds because they're not pushing themselves. Um, you know, they don't know what they haven't put their body through. You know, they don't have a sense of resiliency on how hard they can put. I tell my 13 year old kid all the time, you like, runs at quarter of a mile and he's like, oh, I'm exhausted. I'm like, trust me, your body can handle a lot more than what you think it can. And, you know, so I think it's important for our, our clients to push themselves a little bit beyond their limits of what they think they can. Um, because I, yeah, once again, I don't think they get to that point. Um, so, and then, yeah, my last question was the, the yeah. Ball, the ball <laughs> yeah then going back to that one about, yeah, yeah. when, so <laughs> I actually love when people say this, I used to like, when I first started, I used to get like, so like triggered as a, trainer for you know hearing uh women say this that they don't want to get bulky they just want to get toned up and now it's like you know i hear it all the time if anything it's a game it's like how many how many comments can i get that this week how many people are gonna say that this week <laughs> all right i mean the funniest thing about it is that i'd always like to say it's you know women have this idea that they're gonna go to the gym pick up their like five or ten pink dumbbells they got from like walmart or target you know do like 10 reps of curls and then they're gonna turn into she hulk within a week you know like it's it's, it's not going to happen. I mean, what I've started to do is I start to like look up pictures on, on Google and be like bulky fitness woman. And then I show it to them and I'll be like, this is bulky. I was like, this is bulky. Correct. Like we're on the same page and this is like a roided up woman, you know, <laughs> like going crazy, you know, that does like insane powerlifting and they go, yeah, that's bulky. I don't want to look like that. I'm like, you never will. You, you never will. Trust me. Like, so then, you know, then I, you know, I'll point out we had this um, one bodybuilder um, at our gym. She, she was 19, but she, you know, very, very like impressive physique. Um, like she's won her first couple competitions. So she's, you know, impressive physique for sure. And I point out, I'd be like, okay, what about her? Like, what do you think about her? Do you think she's toned or bulky? Like, oh, she's toned for sure. And I was like, so that's toned to you. I was like, because that took a lot of work to get to. All right. Trust me, like you're, you're going to like miss that, but it's going to be a good miss. All right. Um, I mean, the main thing I'm like, okay, or I'll tell them, Hey, so this is the plan to get bulky. All right. You're going to be eating like 3,500 calories a day. All right. Insane amount of protein. You're going to be lifting six to seven days a week, pushing yourself to pretty much failure almost every time. And you know, you got to be dedicated. You got to be getting eight hours of sleep each night. You're going to record every single thing you do. And then they, you know, take a step back and they go like, what the hell is he talking about? Like, I don't want to do all this stuff. Like, this sounds horrible. And I'm like, if you did half of that, you wouldn't even come close to being bulky. So look at that. Yeah. You're going to be set. Don't worry. And I, at the end of the day, I think I could promise them enough. And I think there's still something in the back of their head being like still there. Like, I, I just don't want to get bulky. Um, and so the only th the only way you're going to do it is like go to the gym and work out and try to build muscle, build strength. And hey. Worst comes the worst. You somehow are the first person to ever accidentally get bulky. You wake up one day and you're like, wow, I'm too big. 
And then guess what you do? You just do a little less of what you're doing. Lift a little less then. If, yep. if the worst scenario happens. <laughs> so. Yeah, no, that's, uh, it, I always jokingly tell clients, I'm like, trust me, if it was that easy to get bulky, a lot more people would be. Because <laughs> there are a lot you of people out lot, there yeah, that would love to be bulky. <laughs> and trust me, they can't. So I think it's just really important just to realize, like, most people will never do what it takes to get bulky. Um, and, and one thing you keep bringing up a little bit that I want to kind of touch on, because I'm sure, and this is something that I don't do a ton with my clients, and I'm, so I'm actually kind of curious to hear your thoughts on this as well, is you, I've heard you talk a lot about, you know, being under the bar and things like that and using a barbell. And I feel like a lot of, you know, general population clients don't do it, at least the clients that I've worked with don't use a ton of barbell work, um, at least, especially since I'm not in person with them. And so I'm curious to hear your thoughts and like somebody who is like a very beginner, like when is a good point to transition to some of that barbell work? And like what, what maybe movements could you recommend that they start with if we want to start getting comfortable with using a barbell? Yeah. So I, I mean, that just comes from my love of the barbell and just doing squat bench and deadlift. So yeah, I love same. that. That's just like <laughs> growing me, I guess, you know, whatever we want to call it. Um, ideally I still want, I still believe like everyone should get it up to your squat bench and deadlift. Now, does it have to be my squat bench and deadlift of the exact form that I do and the exact protocol that I take? No, not, not even close. Like you could have your own type of squat. You could have your own type of bench. You could have your own type of deadlift. All right. Um, for the beginners, I always say like, start off with the easier progressions and work your way up for bench press. It might be a little easier because that movement isn't insanely difficult where if you mess up, you're going to die. Um, you know, maybe you're just not strong enough to lift the 45 pound bar. You, you go, you go with the dumbbells to start off. All right. And then yeah. once you get strong enough there, then you go to the bar. All right. For squatting. All right. Usually I would start someone off with just like a regular split squat. Um, just scene can can that knee go down touch the ground come back up okay great once we do that you check that box off you go to the next one can we do you know probably like a goblet squat can we do a goblet squat touching the box coming back up all right now let's take the box away can we do a free weight goblet squat all right boom we get that checked now we're good then all of a sudden we can go over to the bar we have a bar on our back but we have a box behind us touch those hips to the box come back up do that for a couple weeks build our confidence within that skill of the movement. Then all of a sudden we get rid of the box and you know, it sounds a lot, but you can get really, really good at it. If strength is not the issue and the issue is the skill, you can really overcome that very, very fast within like six, you know, four to six weeks or something. If you wanted to, if um, strength is the biggest issue, then it, it takes a little bit longer. But I mean, the goal is to get up to that end point. Um, you know, for, for deadlifting, it would be almost the same thing glute bridges let's just do regular hinging mo motions all right then let's go and do rdls all right now we can go and do a deadlift all right and for like my older population clients it's i still have them deadlifting but we spent a lot of time working up to the deadlift and they're not doing a regular barbell deadlift they're doing a hex bar deadlift which is a lot easier to just mm -hmm. work on the form you know but they're still doing a heavy deadlift at the end of the day it's not my type of deadlift that I work all the time, but it's still a deadlift, which is, you know, fits into my philosophy of the training. Yeah. I'm glad, I'm glad you brought that up. And I just, um, cause like I said, I, I personally have not done a lot of barbell work with my clients. I have a couple that I do with, you know, some that have either experience or some that are just comfortable and diving right into that. But I feel like it's something that a lot of people are just not comfortable with that, you know, they think like, 
I think some people do associate like the barbell work as like being something that has to be super heavy and where it's like you said, like we're just starting with the bar. So I'm glad you brought that up and there's some of my clients. I wasn't always like this. I was always, I was always like in the barbells, but like that progression that I just gave out, like was just because I got smarter because I was really dumb at one point and I would always sometimes put new clients that I have never met underneath the bar be like, I can teach you in five minutes how to squat, you know, my (laughs) ego getting the best of me. And then 15 minutes goes by, haven't made any progress. And I'm like, yeah, maybe we shouldn't be doing this anymore. (laughs) So yeah, it's, it's, it's not like this is something that I've always just was born with. Like this was from a lot of failing of seeing my clients fail because I was failing them pretty much. What I find too, is like people want to learn how to bench press and do all of those things. I've had 60, you know, 61 year old clients come into it, work with me when I was a personal trainer. And they're like, I kind of want to do bench press or I kind of want to do this. And like, they're, they, they're looking at that kind of stuff. And I don't think like they have the confidence yet. So I think it, I encourage people to get trainers and be curious and ask questions and really get underneath that bar. Cause I have uh, still videos of my client who's 61 years old bench pressing um, and deadlifting and doing all these things. And she absolutely loved to see the, the progress she made. That's super cool. Yeah. I, and I think I think you bring up actually a really good point, Chris. There even is like you know, and this is something that I did actually when I was first working with, a, um, when I first started my own journey back in 2019. And I think in, it was like fall or so 2019 when I first started looking at, looking into more into free weights and things like that. I did hire an in person trainer for like just one month, like four weeks of training, just to have somebody there in person. Because it's what I always tell clients, like you know, obviously, like I think it's it's great now we have like you know people can take videos and send it to us and things like that, so we can review them. Obviously, I think we've come a long ways to be able to do more like that. But I think there is a lot of great meaning and value behind having somebody in person, even if it's just like one or two sessions, just to like be there during those times when you're first getting used to using the barbell. Yeah, I mean, one of the easiest things I've found is like when people want to work on a specific thing. So, you know, I've spent entire sessions before going over so many squat because that was what they want to do. They're like, I just want to perfect my squat. I'm like, okay, great. We're going to spend the entire session going over your squat. You know, have them unrack the bar. They go, they do like three reps at pretty heavy weight. We rack it. I tell them, I was like, okay, we want to focus on X, Y, and Z. So these are the cues we're going to use. All right, let's go try it again. All right. So, I mean, there's definitely a lot of value 100% in an in-person trainer. Uh, The biggest thing I see is like, okay, you, you do have to realize that at the end of the day, it's like, if you're not seeing progress or results, maybe it's, I mean, it could be you, but also it could be, you just have a shitty trainer, you know, they're, they're out there for sure. They're out there for sure. Um, you know, so you do have to realize that when you do hire a trainer, not hiring them for life and you probably shouldn't be hiring them for life unless you really want to, if you want to go in there and be like, I want a trainers for the, you know, the next 20 years, if you're 60 or something, it's like, go for it, you know? But for the, a lot of times when I have clients that are in their like twenties or thirties, I mean, for the most part, it's like they, you know, we'll, we'll work together for like three or six months. And as long as, you know, once they kind of understand my philosophy, they understand, you know, their own body, you know, they're, they're like their confidence in their movements, insanely high. You know, they, they know what they're doing now. Once they know what they're doing and they have a good idea of what to do in the future, cut me loose then it's like. Otherwise, it's like, I mean, like you're paying me to hang out right now. Which, honestly, I'd rather just get a lift in with you than, yeah. than count your reps. Um, but that's the goal that I always had going into it was like, I never wanted to get like a lifetime client. And I know that that was always a big thing to get. And maybe I'm just totally in the wrong with this. But I was always like, if I get a lifetime client. 
is it because they want to work with me or is it because they feel like they still know nothing after like two or three years and they feel lost and hopeless? Because if that's the case, then I completely failed at my job at not only teaching them how to lift, but like actually allowing them to learn and understand themselves and what to do. So I always like prefer to do three to six months um, and hopefully we get all the results that we want within the three, six months as well. Um, but yeah, that, that's just my thoughts from the training perspective. Yeah. That's definitely something that I, you know, I know Chris and I talk about a lot with our clients. Just like, you know, we, we love to see when they're able to like, you know, quote unquote, graduate from the program. And it's, you know, it's a, it's a really special time, bittersweet, right? Be like, I feel like a lot of clients we've had, like, like same thing, like you're just kind of wasting time almost. Cause it's like, like, you know, they don't really need you anymore, but a lot of them end up wanting, you know, staying cause of the community and other things, just like just having that little bit extra accountability, but like they may know everything and know how to do it all themselves, but they still love having that little bit extra accountability. And I think that's okay. I think that's the difference of like having somebody who feels like they have to depend on you versus just having that extra little bit of accountability as well. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Awesome. Well, man, you know, one last thing I want to touch on here as well is, you know, you talked about before we hit record at the beginning about people may have very similar, even like same goals, but they need to take different approaches based off of like who they are and maybe their lifestyle and what their capabilities are, limitations. Do you mind explain a little bit more about that in terms of, you know, somebody who might be listening and you know, maybe they're comparing themselves to other journeys or they, you know, they might find like a cookie cutter program online. They're like, this should work for me. Right. Um, so like, can you explain a little bit about the importance of behind that? Yeah. So the biggest thing there is let's say we have person A, person B, they both want to, you know, we're keeping in the theme of, of the show right here. If they want, they both want to improve their squat bench and deadlift. All right. But person A has a shoulder impingement and person B has a really bad hip, right? Or, and then we look even deeper into it, right? Person A is really, really bad at the bottom half movement of the bench press or per and person B is really, really bad um, at, at, at creating tension at the bottom of their deadlift before they go up and their hips rise up every time, all right? So I could give them the same program and it's like, maybe they see some progress, but Hey, person a with the shoulder impingement, we got to take care of that. First of all, all right, we got to improve that rotator cuff, uh, strengthen that upper back by a lot. All right. We got to do that stuff. All right. That maybe I wouldn't spend as much time on with the second person. All right. And for those, uh, uh, weaknesses that I explained earlier with the weakness in the bottom half of the bench and weakness with, with creating tension at the bottom of the deadlift. All right. Two different protocols that I would use for those, right? Obviously they're different movements, but like if you don't have that weakness in the bottom half of the bench, I'm not going to bother uh, programming things around that problem that doesn't exist. All right. If you have that problem, then what we do, we do pause reps then. All right. Or we do, we can do other things there. All right. But like for other people, they might have that same idea, that same goal in mind. But just the way they get there is just a little bit different. And then from just a regular perspective of the general population, I mean, person A can work out five days a week. Person A can work out two days a week. They're not going to be on the same workout program. I hate to tell you that. But like mm -hmm. if you're working out two days a week, and I say it all the time, if you're working out two days a week and you're on a five-day workout program, that, that's not working for you. Because then it takes you two and a half weeks to finally go through one cycle of the workout program. All right. And if it's a five-day workout program, chances are it's more or less a bro split and you're focusing mm -hmm. on one or two muscles a day. So then you hit chest on day one and then all of a sudden two and a half weeks pass 
and then you finally hit chest again, guess what? You're not giving your muscles a reason to grow. You're not giving them enough of a stimulus, enough of a challenge. All right. Mm -hmm. That volume game is not there. You're losing it. You have to adapt. You have to understand what you can commit to. I'd always like telling people, Hey, you know, how many days you want to come to the gym? Five or six. Great. Awesome. All right. On your worst week, kids are a mess. You got to deal with, you know, something's happening at work. All right. Stress is going crazy. How many days can you come to the gym? That number drops down to two or three every single time. All right. Mm -hmm. So then I say, okay, Hey, we're going to plan on a two or three day workout program. We'll aim a little high. We'll say three days. All right. Something they can commit to. And if they want to come in four or five days a week, they can always just cycle in that workout program still. And it's, it's not going to be that uh, detrimental to them. All right. But if I were to give them five days a week, because they want to go in there five days a week. And then I talk to them three, three weeks later. Hey, how many times have you been in the gym? Oh, since the last time I saw you, I've only been here like twice. I'm like, that's not working. <laughs> and we got to switch things up. But I, I do think that that is a problem. A lot of people don't realize with the program aspect of it. Um, Cause they do think that's like, okay, I'll just go to the gym whenever I can. And whenever I do it. Um, and the program allows just that little bit of a little bit extra of accountability of like, all right, maybe like, I don't need to go to the gym today, but you know what? I do need to finish my day three. I definitely can. Hey, I'm just being lazy at the end of the day. I do that all the time when I'm in between programs and I'm not really doing it. My workouts are sporadic and I skip them because I'm like, I don't need to go. Accountability is just not mm -hmm. there. So it's, it's definitely listening to yourself. Obviously your goals keep in mind, but your limitations, like the time that you have to give, all right, the skill level that you're at, all right, your weaknesses that you have in the gym, like what are those? And all those factors can then go into picking out the best program for you. Or you could just ask a trainer to like recommend something to you. I do that all the time with people. I'm like, just send me this list, shoot them a form or I shoot them a form. They send it back. I'm like, okay, easy. I got it. Here's a program. Yep. For sure. Awesome. Matt, well, this has been really cool. Uh, Chris, any other questions you have? I don't. I got all my questions out. All right. Perfect. Well, Matt, you know, I, I always like to not bulky. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I always like to wrap up towards the end of the show by asking my guests on the same question. And that is, you know, if somebody is listening to the podcast and they're ready to get started on their journey today. Um, and we can even kind of take this from a perspective. Let's say somebody's wanting to start working out. What are the first two things they should start doing? The first two things. All right. The first thing they should start doing is doing some sort of a workout program. All right. Whether you have to buy that or not, I'm, I'm telling, telling you the investment is worth it. Um, I owe it all to the programs that I have downloaded or bought in the past. I see way more success in those than whenever I'm just going to the gym, kind of doing whatever. Like it mm -hmm. feels good, I guess, in the moment. But hey, strength's not going up. There's no progression. All right. So definitely, definitely do that. All right. And then the second is just is just be honest with yourself in, in terms of uh, what we were talking about before, the intensity. It's like, are you really working out hard enough? Ask yourself that question after every single set. How many reps did I have left? Be honest with you, be honest with yourself. And if you have like five or six left in the tank, go up and wait. You know, you got to be working out in that little bit more of intensity. Because um, a lot of times people just are not doing that. And that's where they are just not seeing any progress. Awesome. Thank you, man. Um, so Matt, if anyone is wanting to reach out and connect with you, where can they find you at? Yeah, I'm most active on Instagram, I'd say, um, at Spiewak underscore coaching. Um, yeah. Perfect. All right, guys, definitely go check that out. I will put all of this information down into the show notes. Again, Matt, thanks so much for coming on the show. Awesome. Thanks for having me, guys. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Matt.
Appreciate it.